There are three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and TDs and threes ripping the piss out of an NBA conversation. Smithy, you're alongside me once again, mate. And as much as our teams might be struggling a bit at the moment, which we'll touch on a bit later, the quality of this competition, I know we say it every week, but it might actually be getting better, which is scaring me. Yeah, today was probably one of the best days of NBA we've had all year. Mm. Um, the day of recording, we had Steph Curry uh, do something big in New York that we'll touch on. Mm-hmm. We had an absolutely cracking game between the Nets and the Raptors, which I'm sure we'll touch on soon, and a few other really good games. So one of the best days of NBA today, and yeah, it's just awesome to talk about. It's one of those days where recency bias is okay with us, I reckon, because plenty to get through. Let's get through our hero of the week, mate. And there was a tall man in Brooklyn who got to raise the bat for his 50. Yep. Yeah, he uh, put up the, the the record, well, the yearly record for uh, most points in the game this year. Big KD. Mate, dominated 51-7-9, a block and, a, and two steals. On yeah, 16 for 31 shooting, and he had a plus minus, a plus 25. He's literally had to carry the nets because of their COVID outbreak, and he is doing it brilliantly. Well, if there's one man that can carry a franchise, I think in this situation, KD would be pretty high up on that list. So the uh, the seven-foot Jamie Fox, he doesn't need my vindication, but there we go. Um, now, that was against Detroit, mate. They played Toronto today uh, at day of recording, and that's the game of the week for mine. 131-129 was the score. Um, and if you're thinking there's not a lot of defense, neither team shot over 50%, which and that 131-129, that's uh, 260 total for those playing along at home, is the highest score this year where neither team has scored over 49%. So there was still a little bit of defense going on, good scoring. The game was close. Your man, Scotty Barnes, missed the game winner from deep, so we don't put any blame on him. But the Raptors are, are playing some good basketball at the moment, mate. Yeah, it was a. I've watched the uh, highlights of this game. Uh, obviously, we work nine to five jobs, so we can't watch every game every day. But uh, we try to watch as much highlights and as much content as possible. And this was an absolute cracker, absolute cracker. Really deserves to be game of the week. Yeah, that's it. When my break finished today was eight seconds left on the clock, and I'm thinking, hmm, I think I can be eight seconds late to work. I feel like, and when Scotty Barnes took that shot, I was screaming at it to go in as my um, learners jumped into the Zoom call. So they uh, jumped in. They're all ready to say g'day just to hear me yell at the TV with Scotty Barnes taking a shot. So apologies if any of them are listening. They're probably not, but um, that's just how my day's going, mate. Let's get straight into the news. I reckon the hot headlines have actually got a handful, mate, not just the three at the end of the show. We're going to bring the news front and center. And let's start with today, mate. We're Steph in Madison Square Garden. If it's not going to be on your home court, mate, it's got to be the best building in America to do it, but he topped Ray Allen's three-point record in about 400 less games. Simply extraordinary. Um, I think we're going to run out of adjectives to describe Steph. We probably already have, and every other media person has already. But now that it's actually happened, it's all the more extraordinary, I think. What do you think? Yeah, the more you look into the the numbers and how fast he's done it and the track that he's on, the more ridiculous it becomes. Um, and... I think Steph Curry cops a lot, um, but it's one of those things you've just got to appreciate greatness. It, he's literally the greatest shooter that's ever walked the planet, and um, he's going to be gone soon. You know, he, he's not going to play forever. Mm. Uh, he's in he, he's in his early thirties now, so he, he's got you know 
five, six, seven, maybe eight good years left in him, and then he'll be out of the league. So we've just got to sit back and he's look. He has given me more pain than a lot of franchises. <laughs> the amount of times Golden State has beaten the Blazers in a playoff series or just regular season, and he has dropped 50 on us or something ridiculous. The amount of times he has tortured us, but I know that I have to sit back, appreciate greatness, and soak it in while I can because it's not going to last forever. Yeah, and I know we complain about haters, and I don't really like doing it, but I'm going to bring it up because it seems like the only thing people have got, and by people, I'm going to start at Skip Bayless and work our way down, a man who holds a very heavy place in your heart, mate, but... The no finals MVP that gets held against him like he's not clutch at all is probably the dumbest fucking thing I hear NBA people say. Steph can't award finals MVP to himself. Iguodala was great. Steph, I think, should have won finals MVP that year anyway. Can we not just appreciate the greatness that is the man for crying out loud? Is it really that difficult? Yeah, Steph Curry should have won that year. The fact Iggy won it when LeBron averaged a triple-double, just why? But... um. Yeah, he'll if if they make the finals this year and they win it, he's going to win it. So I, I pretty much guarantee he's going to win a finals MVP by the time he retires and then people won't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, I think actually we've got some breaking news here on TDs and threes, mate. I've actually found out why Steph didn't win that MVP. I'm sure you'd be curious to know. I'd love, I'd love for you to fill me in, yeah. They actually asked Max Kellerman and he ended up saying that he wanted Iguodala. So that's how he won the award, which is fantastic. That's fucking where Daz is at at the moment. Let's move on, mate. COVID is affecting the NBA season massively. It's affecting the NFL as well, and we'll touch on that in the NFL episode coming tomorrow as this has come out. 30-plus players, mate, or we're heading towards 30 players uh, out with COVID. We know the Nets and the Lakers have been hit most recently. I know it's not up to us. We're in the country, the bottom of the planet. We have no hold over the NBA at all. But are we at a point where the season might be on hold? Do you think it should be on hold? How do we approach this as best as we can, do you think? Well, the thing that's really confusing me is with the American sports leagues have been so fine, you know, over the past. Uh, there was a stat in the NFL they had 110 positive cases from September 14th until December 14th. So, you know, however many months, that's three months. Yeah. 110 positive cases in a three-month span. They've had 90 in the last two days. Mm. So I'm so confused about how it can go from such a stable scenario to being out of control like this. What has changed? Are the protocols not being followed as strictly? Are the rules being bent? Is the new strain affecting the US? And we're not quite sure about it. I don't know what's going on, but it's alarming. I think the NBA just has to tread water for now and hope that it passes. Um, There's been one game postponed the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons were scheduled to play today, but it got postponed because Chicago didn't have enough available players. I think they've just got to postpone games if necessary and just keep rolling through. They can't afford to pause the season again. Well, the Bulls actually had their next game postponed as well because they've gone from seven players to nine having COVID now, and I think it's seven support staff as well. So. Chicago's been hit with a lot over the last few years, mate, but this is starting to get out of control. I'm with you. I think the NBA shutting down 
from I mean, from a sports fan's point of view, it's an entirely selfish thing to say. I know that. I'm self-aware of that. But I do also know from a humanitarian point of view is uh, I am in no way anti-vax at all. I am pro we need to find a way as a society to live with the things that are happening as best and as quickly as we can. There are many factors that are blocking that, none of which we're going to get into, mate, because that's not what the podcast is about. But I'm with you. Treading water is worst case scenario for mine. And if games need to be postponed and made up in the back end of the season, by all means do that. And we wish everyone the best, mate. We don't want anyone getting sick or or worse. So for anyone out there, NBA related or otherwise, that's struggling with COVID at the moment, we do certainly sympathise um, down here. And we know what being in lockdown is like, mate, the most lockdown city in the world. So we hope no one goes through that, as I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's obviously not a great situation, but mm. I think for the benefit of everyone involved, keeping the NBA moving forward is the best way to go. Bang, there we go. Let's move on. Actually, back to more basketball, mate. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to be a contender, as we know they already are. Chris Middleton is out with a bad knee injury that is sustained against my Boston Celtics. Now, you know my love for this man, so... Any opinion I have is going to be biased. I am probably I am a bigger fan of Chris than his wife is, pretty much. Um, I don't even know if he's married, but anyway, um, she doesn't matter. No, I'm totally kidding. She absolutely does. I'm just an idiot. Don't listen to me, but keep listening to the show. But is he the most underrated Robin in the league right now? Is what this point is coming to? Because it pure fact, you cannot win a championship in the NBA without having one of the top five ones in the league and one of the top five twos. You simply cannot have that. Chris Middleton is that Robin to Giannis's Batman. How much of a loss is he, mate, if he's out long-term? Yeah, we're going to find out how big of a loss this is to Milwaukee. They've got a, a pretty well-rounded roster, I believe, hmm. but this, this is really going to show the worth of Chris Middleton. If they can't stay above 500 for the time he's out, it's going to prove how, how much he's needed. I think the last time that an NBA team won a championship without, um, you know, as you said, a top five one and a top five two would be Dirk on the Mavs. He didn't really have that two. He had an old Jason Kidd. Uh, he had Tyson Chandler, who who was a good center, but he was nothing special. And role players, and he beat the Miami Heat big three. That's the last time it's happened. I think Giannis would have to put up one of the more ridiculous regular seasons in recent memory for them to get anywhere close to the one seed. Um, but yeah, hopefully the knee injury that he sustained isn't bad enough to keep him out for a prolonged period of time and he can get back soon. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. If we thought Giannis's game six of the finals last year was godly, imagine the series that he'd have to put together in the finals if Chris Middleton wasn't there. So I feel like there's going to be, if there is a selfish positive I can take out of this, Chris Middleton's value is only going to grow with being out and Dazzling's going to feel very vindicated. Let's move on to my doppelganger in the NBA, mate, DeMontis Sabonis. I've got that bit of a look about me at the moment. Um, he was named the East Player of the Week, and it's going to come up a few more times before a trade happens. But does getting those accolades and the form that he's in, does that make him the man to stay at Indiana, or is it only driving his price up to get him out the door? Where do you stand? Because I think two weeks ago you said Miles Turner out the door, uh, sorry, Sabonis out the door if they rebuild and Turner out the door if they retool. Where do you stand now? Yes, exactly the same position for me. Mm. Um, if they want to retool, he's he's the one that you want to have in order to have now success. 
but um, if you're going to rebuild and get future assets, you trade him because he's definitely got the highest value on the team. Um, so, yeah, it's exact same boat for me. If I was the Pacers' front office, I'd be keeping him. I think he just fits Indiana really well. He's been very good there. And they've got great return on investment. They didn't pay much for him from OKC. Um, obviously, it was a part of the Paul George trade, but he was the steak knives. It was around uh, Victor Oladipo and co. So he, he was really a throw-in and he's been huge for them. He's given more to Indiana than Paul George gave to OKC by mile. So um, they've won the deal. I think they can just sit on him now and be confident that he can help them win right away if they retool the lineup. Bang. And speaking of Smithy being absolutely spot on, an anonymous NBA scout said that Miles Turner to Golden State is being spoken about very highly in the Golden State front office, mate. So, look, it's, we don't like to take credit for things except that's a damn lie. And if he does end up being a warrior, you might be able to buy his jersey straight up, mate, because you've uh, called it early. Yeah, it's uh, it's always nice when you, you predict something and you think it out and it actually get gains a bit of traction. So, uh, although I'd love to see him in Portland trade rumors just quietly. Um, let's, let's get a GM first, I guess, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, last but not least, mate, the uh, the Ben Simmons saga, which frankly is aging about as well as the new Star Wars trilogy at the moment. It's getting that annoying, but the Knicks and the Lakers are reportedly the front runners, according to multiple sources. So let's go through, A, who's the better fit? Um, B, uh, who will Philly want to trade with? So who can they get more value out of? And C, are you looking on? I'll try and actually answer those first two questions, I think. Where's the better fit and who can Philly deal with better? And I'll find a better way to phrase my third question. So where does he fit better, first of all? The better fit is New York by a country mile. Yeah, I agree. If he goes to LA, the floor spacing there will be disgusting. Him and LeBron are essentially the same player. But LeBron is fifty times better. So, <laughs> and can shoot. yeah, and can shoot, but doesn't shoot it well. Mm. He can shoot, he will shoot, but he's not a forty percent three point shooter. So, if you have Ben on the floor who loves to handle the ball, and LeBron on the floor who loves to handle the ball, assuming Russell Westbrook is shipped in that deal. But you've got Anthony Davis, who has not been a good three-point shooter this year. You've got DeAndre Jordan, who can't shoot the three. It would be an absolute mess. So New York is definitely the better fit. um, But they can definitely get more value out of the Lakers. And that's where this becomes really interesting. Yeah. Because the Knicks Knicks don't have a Russell Westbrook to give. Hmm. It's... And that's who it would be centered around. So Evan Fournier um, and draft picks. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It, it would be something like uh, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, and a future first or something. And you Kemba. just go, well, we've got we've got Russell Westbrook sitting in LA. Yeah. So Knicks are a better fit, but they can definitely get more out of the Lakers. Yeah. If I can just bring up a point about the Lakers, right? Because all we heard from people who claim they know better than we do and probably do that Westbrook was brought in to <clears throat> excuse me to be the best player on the floor when LeBron sits that that was all we heard LeBron wants to rest Westbrook needs to carry the team 
Ben Simmons can be amazing in LA if LeBron's not on the floor. And I agree with you. Problem is, if we're in game seven of like the Western Conference finals and there's a minute to go, we don't know if Ben A is going to be on the floor, which means LeBron will have to be out there. And B, if they're out there together, I agree with you. It could turn into a genuine shit show. But there is a big part of me that if I could honestly have, well, two wishes for the NBA, the first one would be that COVID would stop affecting the league and therefore the world, of course. But the second one would be, can this shit just be over? Like, mate, uh, I'm, I'm over it. It's like a Christmas film marathon with the missus, mate. It's a couple of times it's fine. But once you start getting into the Netflix special, it's just, oh, it's frightening. And this Ben Simmons talk needs to stop. Get rid of him, Philly. And please let us move on. This is a toxic relationship. I'm pretty sure. Sure, I shared that exact sentiment about two months ago, and it's <laughs> it is still dragging on. Just trade him to Portland; it works perfectly. Yeah. We need defense. We've got perimeter shooting. That's fine. He will fit in. We can run five out and have Ben Simmons do his thing. Damian Lillard, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic—they can all shoot the three fine. Ronnie Snell. Floor spacing is fine. We need defense. He's got defense. We've got playmaking. He's got playmaking. Make it happen. It's a perfect fit. It's so annoying, but um, yeah, we'll just wait and see what happens. It's not that you're thinking too much about it either, which I respect, mate. Let's get to Rookie of the Week now. Frankly, when we get to the leaderboard, it's it's seriously going to take, I was going to say something, but in American times, it might not be the best thing, but it is going to take Scotty Barnes falling over to lose this award, I think, because he is for the fourth time in seven uh, sorry, in eight weeks that we've given out this award. So 50% of the year, he's been the Rookie of the Week, and he took the piss again. Your man, mate, how uh, how vindicated are you feeling? Is it just growing and growing at this point? Yeah, it gets um, better by the week, to be honest. And <laughs> it, it's one of those things that I sort of touched on it before. When you make a prediction and you watch it unfold and become correct, it's just a, like a sense of pride and a, and a sense of, you know, something that you actually nailed it. And Scotty Barnes nailed this week. He had 17.5 points on 48% shooting, 40% from three. And I've mentioned this before. That was one of the knocks on him coming in is that he couldn't shoot the three. He's been good from three-point range. <laughs> he averaged 10 rebounds, four assists, two and a half blocks, had a plus-minus of plus four and a half, and just dominated once again. Yep, so Scotty Barnes has been Rookie of the Week four times now. Cade Cunningham has two. Our man, the horse, Josh Giddy has got one, and Evan Mobley won as well. Now, mate, as far as NBA awards go, the TDs and threes MVP, I would say, is the most sought after. And I think some anonymous players that don't exist also think that. Um, but the 3 through one this week, there are a few players that I think we almost need to apologize to for not getting in the vote, starting from a man at Atlanta that you're a big fan of? Yeah, so believe it or not, a man who averaged 36 points on the week didn't get a vote. <laughs> um, and look, it was a tough decision, but he averaged seven turnovers for the week. So We're not having that. Um, and that's that's not good. And he had a negative plus minus, which also is an ideal. Mate, we but, are big fans of the plus minus, so let's go through it, mate. Who got the one vote? Yeah, the one vote, and it's this guy's first time getting a vote for the TDs and threes MVP, and I bet you it's the first MVP award where it's taken him this long to get mentioned. So uh, congratulations to LeBron, who had a big week. Um, his team went two and one, but he averaged 27.7 points, which is just 
really good numbers there for the big fella. He averaged nine rebounds, nine assists. So he was doing a bit of everything. And he averaged two and a half blocks and two and a half steals. So he was doing it defensively. He's looked like his old self, LeBron James. And uh, I love to see it because personally, I know LeBron is quite polarizing. Some people love him way too much. Some people hate him way too much. I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle, um, more on the side of loving him, but I'm realistic about it. But um, yeah, he looks like he is in vintage form at the moment, which we love to see. Yeah, we, I think we share this sentiment. We have a deep appreciation of the greatness that LeBron James brings to the game. So I don't understand all this goat debating and fighting. It's just let's appreciate what we've got. Odds are we're not going to see a bad a player better than him as long as we're alive, mate. So enjoying it while we can is the way to go, but that's not the point. Uh, two votes, mate. LeBron's stat line was impressive. It's going to have to take a couple of really good performances to get more than that. Yeah, last year's MVP had a big week. Uh, Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets went three and one, did Denver, and he went crazy. He averaged 31 points per game. He averaged 15 rebounds per game and nine and a half assists per game. <laughs> Just ridiculous stuff, Daz. Uh, two steals in the block. Did average a bit over four turnovers, but a plus minus of plus 13. Yeah. When you're playing four games and you've got an average plus minus of plus 13, that's pretty good going. So he had a big week, the Joker. He actually shot 61% from the field on 20 field goals a game. That's Just nice. ridiculous, ridiculous efficiency for a bloke of his size. Um, and he is a special talent. Yeah, he absolutely is, which means, but with a stat line that good, mate, who's got the three votes? Surely you can't have a better week than that. This guy went stupid this week. Went absolutely <laughs> stupid. And he's got some of the best nicknames in the league. My favorite is the Slim Reaper, yeah. Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Went 3-0 and this week, the Nets. He averaged 38.7 points. Usually I round up to say 39, but I wanted to give you the exact details. 38.7 points. He shot 49% from the field. On 27 attempts per game. Oh. That is just <laughs> so crazy. Uh, shot 93% from the free throw line on 10 attempts per game. Mm-hmm. So his shooting stats are just off the charts. But he also averaged eight rebounds and nine assists <laughs> with, with two blocks. So when I say he went stupid, he went stupid. <laughs> he also averaged a plus minus of plus nine. So... Uh, one of the great weeks we've seen from the Slim Reaper this year and definitely deserved to get the three votes this week. Yeah, Jamie Foxx's brother. It's the, They are the same person. Can we admit that? Yeah. Let's get this out there. It's a, it's my conspiracy theory. When Kevin, when, which, well, uh, Jamie Foxx is older. So when Jamie just wants to ball out, he just grows to seven foot and plays and he's Kevin Durant. And when he wants to do a little bit of acting, mate, he just shrinks himself down a little bit and goes and, Performs beautifully. He's a fantastic actor, Jamie Foxx, but there's something weird going on there. But KD, he's dominating, mate, and we've got a new leader in the TDs and threes MVP, and I'm just going to put it out there now, mate. Our MVP is down to four players, our top four on the leaderboard. Nikola Jokic has seven votes. Giannis Antetokounmpo has six, and Stefan KD. Oh, don't you think those two boys would want to finish higher than the other one are both locked on five, a smattering of players down the bottom of the leaderboard. But I do want to point out that 
If you have a really good week, mate, you can end up on the leaderboard in random spots. Christian Wood has double the votes of Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, James Harden, and LeBron James. So if you have a massive week and you play more than two games, odds are you can get in the MVP. And that's what we like to do this weekly, mate. It gets us some weird results sometimes. Yeah, we like to see the random players. Um, I, I was looking through the weekly stats and I saw Caleb Martin from the Heat <laughs> averaging 26 points per game. And I thought, hang on, could we get him a vote? But he only played the one game, so he was ineligible for any votes. But weird names like that, they're going to come up at one point, especially with all the COVID stuff. Yeah. We are going to get one of the weirdest names you'll ever hear <laughs> into the MVP voting. So you're just waiting for a name that I can't pronounce just so we can replay it over and over again at the uh, at the Christmas party, mate. But let's move on to the stock market. You are the Leonardo DiCaprio, Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, NBA style. We are buying, holding, and selling. And we're kind of crushing two segments together here, mate, because I'm going to be buying, holding, and selling from the East only because that is where my Celtics play. You are doing the West because that is where your Blazers are. We'll kick it off with you, mate. Who are you buying this week? Who have you been a big fan of in the last seven days? Yeah, it's the uh, LA Clippers for me out west. Love this. And they went 3-0, and but they went 3-0 and without Paul George for the week. Mm. And that is the most impressive thing for me because when Kawhi Leonard did his ACL and we knew he was going to miss all, well, if like, most, if not all of this season, I thought, geez, they're going to struggle without Paul George if he misses time. But they beat the Celtics, Magic, and Suns this week, all without Paul George. Daz, the Suns have been on fire this year, they, they and they beat them. <laughs> the Suns couldn't lose to themselves at the moment, and, yeah, they've done incredibly. And not just beat them, mate, did it comfortably. Yep, the Suns were 22-4 and four before that game, I think. Actually, 21-4 mm. and four mm. before that game. And... The Paul George-less LA Clippers come out and beat them by 16 points. Ridiculous stuff. They've been playing really well. I I just like how they play as such a team. Without Paul George, obviously, they don't have a big name. But, you know, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrace Mann, Marcus Morris, Isaiah Hartenstein's been playing well, Nick Batum. You know, they've just got real good role players that have gelled together and are getting it done. So... For going 3-0 and on the week without your best player and beating some of the best teams in the league, LA Clippers, I'm buying. Bang, I like it, mate. Let's get to the hold. Who are you just going, all right, well, I need to have a real forensic look at you over the next week and decide what I'm doing with you. Who is uh, on the chopping block potentially, my friend? San Antonio Spurs for me. Ooh, they, went, they went they 2-1 and one on the week. Mm. But what really confused me was uh, on Friday – our time, they beat the Denver Nuggets 123 to 111 at good home. Win. Yeah, good win. Mm. You know, the, the Nuggets could Nuggets can do anything on any night. So good win. Two days later, they lose the exact same team, 127 to 112. Oh boy. What? <laughs> what, like, what am I supposed to think? It's the exact same team, exact same court, two days apart. They win one game by 12 and lose the other by 15. That's If that's not hot and cold, I'll go he, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that and then is they the came, epitome of a hold. <laughs> yeah, they came out and beat the Pelicans uh, the day after the Denver loss. But this is the dictionary definition of a hold. Yeah. Because 
they are confusing the fuck out of me at the moment. <laughs> I love DeJounte Murray, so I always keep a close eye on the Spurs as well. So I really want to have another look at them this week. Beautiful. I like it. And this could get ugly, mate, because when we sell, it's we're not touching this team for a while. We don't want to yeah. look at them. We don't want to touch them. We don't want to watch more of their highlights than is genuinely necessary. So who have you had an absolute guard full of, mate? Who are you spitting on this week? Who can you not stand and for the next seven days will hold nothing but rage in your heart? Yeah, well, I said earlier in the show that um, we work nine to five jobs, as we do, Daz, mm-hmm. yep. and we don't get a lot of time to watch much NBA. Not I'm as much in that, as we'd like. No, I'm in that boat, but the one team I watch every game, oh, no. the Portland, tra- the Portland <laughs> Trailblazers, and I've had a fucking gutful. I say it every week, but I'm selling them, and uh, it's so bad. Um, we've been smashed by injuries, but we've got our best player back, and we still can't win a game. We're on a six-game losing streak. We haven't won in December yet. We've lost to the Warriors, Timberwolves, and Suns in the last week. We now face the Grizzlies, the Hornets, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans again before we talk next. So we'll probably start favorite in one of those games, and it's the Pelicans game. Pelicans if that's on the game. road, you're going to lose it. So it is on the road. So <laughs> stick a fork in us, mate, because we're cooked. Uh, yeah. Nah, it's it's getting to a stupid level now. We're going to do the Blazers breakdown, so I won't go too much no, you into can, it. You can keep going, mate. We'll merge them together, and we'll go into a Yeah, all right. We, we, yeah. We'll merge it together. So this will be partly the Blazers breakdown because I'm selling them again. We need a GM yeah, because this team is not working, Daz. It's really not working, and everyone can see it. Everyone knows. NBA fans know now. No one gives a shit about the Blazers. I've never seen the national media – talk about Portland more than I have in the last two weeks. Either it's Dame wants out, Chauncey Billups can't coach, the roster's a mess, we can't find a GM. It's just a dumpster fire at the moment. We are the most shambolic franchise in the NBA at the moment, and it's getting ridiculous. We need major shakeups. Um, the inconsistent play of the roster is just... So hurtful to watch. No effort. Um, there's only been a few players who, who've got big ticks so far this year for me, and that'd be Nazir Little and Anthony Simons. Uh, I've loved both of them this year. Two players who give their all every night. Great hustle, especially Nazir Little. I think he's probably been my MVP of the season so far for the Blazers. Just He's not the best player. He's not the most skillful player, but every night he goes on the court, he will give 110% both defensively and offensively. And as a fan, when you have to watch loss after loss after loss, that's all you want to see is that the players actually give a shit. Yeah, you're and searching for positives. It's so obvious that he gives a shit and he wants to turn this stuff around. So massive shout out to him. And I do want to touch on it. I understand that in professional sports, it is unrealistic to be good every year. Mm-hmm. And I understand that since I've been a Portland fan, we have made the playoffs essentially every year. I think we missed them one year uh, since 2013 when I officially became a, a diehard Blazers fan. So, 
yes, I have had it good and I shouldn't be complaining this much, but it's the manner in which we're losing and it's the circumstances around the franchise that derive so much frustration and anger for me because if we're going to be bad, fine, let's be bad, but let's at least have some footprints and some blueprints forward out of it. At the moment, we don't have a GM. We have a rookie head coach who has not shown anything. We have an aging roster that's decreasing in value every game. And we don't have draft picks. Mm. So we're screwed. I mean, you can talk more off off the court, of course, but uh, I was lucky enough I'm in assessments week, mate, so I'm lucky enough to have a bit more things going on in the background at times, of course, unless my boss is listening, in which case I absolutely don't do that. Um, but the last sort of 40 seconds of the Phoenix game today, I think sums up everything you're frustrated about. You got the lead back. Um, Robert Covington hit two threes in a row to end the third quarter. Everything's rosy. You're ahead. Um, Nazir Little got two free throws, missed the first one badly uh, with nerves, which is fine. We can all get nervous. Uh, hit the second one, so all good. He then hits the ball out, and they get a jump ball call. So it goes your way. And to all the uh, – there have been fans on Twitter that are going, it didn't come off Nazir Little. Mate, you know this better than anyone. I'm half fucking blind, and I could tell it came off his fingers. All right? So they got a good call there. Dane got away with a push. He just did. I can't remember the Suns play that he put. I think it was Cam Johnson, but he pushed. Then DeAndre Ayton got called for a push. So a few things are going your way. You've got to take it. Even bad teams need to know to take advantage of moments of momentum. You couldn't do it. Chris Paul hits the uh, game-tying mid-ranger, which he does. That's pretty much what Chris Paul's done for his career. You go down the other end, Dame tries for the winner, probably got fouled, didn't get called. That's fine. You go into overtime and then you just go to water for three of the five minutes and and go nowhere, mate. So I can completely understand where you come from. And even though maybe off the court, not a lot of fans, non-Portland fans know the frustration. Mate, on the court, I'm with you. I was tearing my hair out and I don't even follow them. So I do feel for you selling the Blazers. Can't say I blame you. I did it last week. So we're on the same page there. Let's get to Dazzling, mate, because I'm buying a team that I have held and sold at different points in the season. So I'm actually going to buy my original stock back and have faith in my own predictions. I said they'd be a fringe playoff team and they're proving it right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the epitome of a team that does not have the talent to win, but have an attitude too good to lose. And I think they're on a four-game winning streak at the moment. Sure, they're going to get blown out once or twice. Like I said, they're not the most talented team. But if we were ranking groups that played for each other, whole rosters that played for each other, Cleveland's top five for me. And I'm loving everything that they're doing. So huge shout out to them. And this, and no one, oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and this goes back to my frustration with Portland. There you go. Our, our roster has way more talent than Cleveland, mm. but they're coached better. They play harder and they play together. And they also have the pieces in place to be good in the future. They have great young players. They've got a good young core. They've got stable coaching, a stable front office. That's all you can ask for. So, yeah, love it. Love what the Cavs are doing. And tradable pieces. We've talked about Colin Sexton potentially being moved on. So, yeah, completely understanding. Not a lot of people give a shit about Cleveland sports, mate. Baker Mayfield's pretty polarizing in the NFL. The Browns aren't doing as well as what their fans wanted through. Since LeBron left Cleveland both times, no one's really given a shit about them. But 
to all the lovely people of Ohio, I give a shit. Dazzling's on your side. So there we go. Uh, I'm holding the Wizards because I have genuinely no fucking clue what they are. Are they a team that can shoot well and defend kind of okay? Are they a team that can't shoot and defend brilliantly? Are they a team that some nights can't shoot and can't defend? They're too many things for mine. Figure it out. Either be a top five shooting team and you might have to give a little bit up on defense. They don't have the roster to be elite at both ends of the court. Pick one and make your whole identity about it. I think they're going to be through a bit of an identity crisis at the moment, but I think they'll pick it up. Uh, I've got faith in their franchise. So Washington, I'm holding. And I'm selling a team that has, normally we talk about, you said about the Blazers, about maybe talent or attitude. I'm selling this team because they have a basketball court that is way too good to be a bad team. And New York right now are not a good basketball team. And to all the Knicks fans who on Twitter like to go on and blast them, normally I'm against fans voicing their frustrations in, you know, over the top ways, but I can understand the uh, Knicks frustration, mate. They were the team that rose last year and maybe had the pieces in place in order to have, you know, sustained maybe playoff success. Not only are they not a guarantee to make the playoffs, they're not a guarantee to make the playing game the way they've been playing recently. They've lost uh, four in a row and, I don't know if it's going to get any better, so I don't want to bar them at the moment, which is sad because if there's one basketball court I'd love for you and I to maybe get out to that wasn't our team, it would be Madison Square Garden number one. Yeah, absolutely. It's a destination uh, destination place, and I, I, I say it a lot, but the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. Hmm. It just creates a nice, fun buzz around the league. And, yeah, I said it last week. Man, I think you held them last week, Daz. Yeah. Yeah, so when when you said you held them, I said they need to make a trade. They need to shake up this roster a bit, and this week has just confirmed those feelings. So uh, I'll be looking for them to make a big splash, maybe Ben Simmons. But let's get on to your Boston breakdown, my friend. What was the week like for the Celtics? Well, we, we went one and two, which on paper is not great now. We had a difficult Western Conference trip. And I don't say difficult for the same reason fans do. Boston fans, Celtics fans will tell you it was a hard Western Conference trip because of the opponents we played. I say it was a hard Western Conference trip because of how we played. Because there is no team in this fucking sport that can play nine minutes of fantastic basketball in a quarter and erase it in 180 seconds of pure shit as well as we can. We are the only team in the NBA that can go 20 points up in a quarter and be behind by the time the quarter ends. It's simply extraordinary how it can happen. The Clippers beat us. They didn't have Paul George. Don't care if it's on home court or on their court. When Paul George is not on the court, you need to beat the LA Clippers. No Kawhi, no Paul George. And then we go to Phoenix. Phoenix did what they did against us. They shot magnificently, defended us really well. But I did notice something in that Phoenix game that I looked for in the Bucks win, which is probably the win of the season. I'll touch on it in a sec. But it was the first time that I saw Jason Tatum get angry with himself. Now, usually when Jason Tatum gets angry, Smithy, it's of one of two things. One is Grant Williams. And frankly, I've been angry at Grant Williams in the past, but I'm going to touch on him in a second. And the second one's the ref. If he gets touched when he misses a shot, first thing he looks like in the ref, and he gets caught on defense at times. There was a moment in the third quarter, you know I'm big on my body language, mate, when he got knocked, the foul didn't get called, it didn't go into the bucket, and you could hear Idoka yell something at him. I have no idea what he yelled at him. JT charged back, and uh, whoever the player was, I think it was Cameron Payne, he got JT on the pump fake, but it was the first time 
probably in that game that I actually saw him sprint back on defense, not run back on defense. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe he'll carry this momentum on through. We get Jalen Brown back. Who would have thought when they play together, they can play well together? Who would have fucking thought when you got two good young players on the court, they can work together as we took down the Bucks. JT scored 42. I think JT's turned the corner. That doesn't mean that I'm convinced that the Celtics have. We're still, you know, around the 500 mark. If the playoffs started today, I don't think we'd beat anyone ahead of us. But I think I can comfortably say now that we are a playoff-worthy team. And the longer this group plays together, the better they're going to get. And I'm actually going to do something that is going to knock your socks off, mate. Oh, boy. I am going to give some credit to Grant Williams. Oh, wow. I am going to give this man some love. I'm going to give him probably the hug that has been very overdue for me because, as you know, uh, Grant Williams is a thorn, has been a thorn in my side on occasions. On occasions. Wow. You are really (laughs) underselling this. Okay. Every time Grant Williams used to set foot on the court, it would boil my blood. You happy? Yes, that's more accurate. (laughs) Yeah, and it still happens at times this year. But here's a stat that I actually didn't know about Grant. In in one-on-one defense, he's the number one player in the league for field goal percentage conceded against all shooters taller than him. Number one. Yeah, that's that's very good. That has to be credit where credit is due. He's scoring the ball well, scored 17 on the Bucs. And... I think he's proving himself to be a worthy player of good minutes in this team. I don't think he can be on the court the same time as Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder, but those two pricks shouldn't be on the court in the same time together either. So I'm not saying Grant needs to be a permanent starter, but for someone who at the end of last year was begging Boston to get rid of him, I'm now telling the Celtics, I think keep him. I think not only has he got a place in his side, he's got a good place in the side. So Grant Williams, there is a bit of love and the Celtics, we did a bit poor, mate, but... I reckon this week we're, we're going to go, okay, I'm not going to do the, we're definitely going 3-0 and because we're playing at home and Portland haven't won since, which is what you pulled out last week. But let's move on, mate. And new segment. This is what, this this makes me excited because if I pull things out that you don't research beforehand, it just puts you on your toes and it makes you go to a new level. So I'm looking forward to this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, working title, we can work on this if you want but I'm going with headline horoscope, mate, or I want you to predict a headline that we will talk about next week and we will touch on what you go with to see if you were right or not. So what is a hot headline that we might be talking about next week, do you reckon? Hot headline that we might be talking about next week. I think it's uh, Knicks make a move. Oh, the Knicks make a trade in the next seven days. That's huge. What move, Roth? to move, uh, okay. coaching move, front office move. They just make a significant change uh, as an organization in the next seven days. Bang, there we go. I like it. I think we're going to sit here, mate, and the NBA are going to either have a meeting or a decision about COVID. I think the NBA are going to come together and figure out the entire rest of the year. Are they going to put it on hold? Are they going to tell every team, hey, we've got to push through and deal with it as best you can, but I think there's going to be clarity around the league when it comes to COVID and we'll touch on them next week. And if that Goes all right. Segment-wise, might bring it back. Who knows, mate? We're just here to go from there. One last thing before we head off, mate, and it's the last segment of the show, and this is a fan question that's come in from Oscar, and I'm a big fan of this question, mate. What official award should be in the NBA that isn't handed out? It's a fantastic. I like this. That's a great question. Because whatever we come up with and we like, we'll actually bring into the TDs and Threes award show. So we're basically coming up with our own content here. So thanks, Oscar. Yeah, I think... It has to be underrated player of the year. Yeah. 
the this is this has got dazzling written all over it. Yeah, so. the the player who just goes under the radar doesn't get the love they deserve. But let let's shine the light on the underrated guys. Yeah, I like it. That's actually kind of similar uh, to what I had as well. Um, I like it. Underrated player of the year. How would it get awarded, though? Do you think a panel of judges? Do you think fan vote? I feel like fans might troll a bit here and Lou Dort would win it every year or something because we like turning players into memes. But Lou Dort is very underrated. So he was I, I reckon he had it a would have to be ha- 52 in one game. Let's, let's come yeah, down a little. Yeah, but uh, I think it'd have to be a mix. I think coaches, uh, executives, and fan vote, I reckon, do... 50% fan vote, 25% the others, bang. Mate, I like it. There you go. We're heading off, mate, for another week. Done and dusted. Uh, yeah, shout out off. Sh- shout out to Oscar for the question as mate, well. 100%, that was a ripper. 100% as well. So next week, mate, we might have some hot takes that we can react to. Uh, Lockie Wright, who had the hot take of the week last week, actually reached out to us and said that he enjoyed the show. So another shout out to Lockie there. You can sign us off in your signature style, mate, and I look forward to talking next week. Yeah, send us through your NBA hot takes. Uh, send them through on the message boards or to our social media pages uh, at TDs and Threes podcast, and you will get a shout out on the show, and we will answer your questions. So uh, get them in before next week. Hope your team goes well this week, unless they play the Blazers. But most importantly, stay safe, everyone.